Hey, this is Frederick Norn from Sustainable Oil Field Services Honda, a.k.a. myself team. <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening to the Inside Line podcast on Vitalamics. Hey, Guybe here from Vital MX. Frederick Norn is the last man standing from the MX Heaven's Swedish invasion of 2011. Since then, he's done everything from a full privateer effort to filling in with Team Honda HRC. Now it's a family affair with his wife Amy and daughter Jolie making the rounds. We caught up with him after the third round of the 2019 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship at Thunder Valley. Before we get started, let's give a quick tip of the cap to our sponsors. The Inside Line is presented by Thor. Since 1968, Thor MX has been supporting some of the world's most elite racers, including the 2018 250 Pro Motocross Champion, Aaron Plessinger. Head to ThorMX.com to see the racewear that Aaron and the rest of the Star Racing Yamaha team trust day in and day out. We also have to thank Chaparral Motorsports, who have been helping riders outfit their dirt bikes with parts, accessories, and tires for more than 30 years. Today, Chapmoto offers professional advice online and in-store, helping you find the best riding gear and equipment for all your power sports vehicles. Visit ChapMoto.com today. That's C-H-A-P-Moto.com. We also have to thank Maxxis Tires, who are proud to introduce the all-new Maxxcross MX-ST, a premier motocross tire tested and developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. Available now at your local dealer. Hey, so I was looking around on Google last night, and I had no idea that you were a famous Swedish jazz drummer. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of my past life. Yeah, just always been into music, and uh, jazz was kind of my gig. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know who that dude is, but hey, we share the same name, so that's cool. <laughs> same name, same country. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, I guess there's there has to be a few more Frederick Norns around, and can't I can't only be the only one. Yeah, the only one that races dirt bikes, maybe, but maybe not the only one. Okay. Hey, how'd you get started racing? Um, so growing up in Sweden, I have uh, two older brothers. I have an older sister as well. Um, my dad used to ride dirt bikes just for fun. I guess I saw my brother's ride or something when I was little and thought it was cool and wanted to ride as well. So that's kind of how it started as more of a family thing rather than anything. Just going on the weekends and, and uh, just having fun and riding in the fields out in the in the, in the boonies in Sweden. And uh, just a fun thing, just a family thing. And then uh, it grew to this. <laughs> on the racing, how'd it go? It went pretty good. Uh, it took me quite a while to to get better at racing. Being, like I said, we only went on the weekends, maybe once a week, just to ride and have fun. So it took a while for me to get my skill levels up, I would say. But whenever I started being about 15, 16, I started motocross school when I was 16. It's like a high school with motocross to it. So you go to school and then ride when you have time academic uh, is a part of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of when I started progressing a lot more, being 15, 16, just racing in Sweden. And then in 2010, 2009, I won the Junior Swedish Championship, which I think was a 21 uh, age limit. So I would have been 17, I think. And then 2010, I won the 250 Championship. And then after that is when we decided to come here uh, and race. Yeah, how do you come up with that idea, and how do you make it happen? Yeah, so at that time, at that motocross school, the coach I had was um, 
related to a guy who runs a program here in America, a Swedish guy. And um, he asked me, like, hey, do you want to go to America? And we had kind of thought about, like, what are we going to do next? Like, are we going to pursue, like, the GPs or we'll race more international? And whenever he told me that, I'm like, we're going to America. Like, that's what we've got to do. It's so cool. So uh, that's kind of how it started. And, you know, my, my parents supported me a lot and it spent a, a lot of money for me to come over here. And uh, we did the outdoor series in, in 2011 and 12, uh, just for six months. And then I would go home during the winters and work. But uh, that's kind of how it started with not knowing where to go. And then a coach like, hey, America. And I'm like, heck yeah, let's do that. So, <laughs> Well, it was a whole group of Swedish guys, wasn't it? Yeah, it was me and uh, Cali Aspergren that came in 2011. And then 2012 was me and Robert Lind. And then a couple of amateur riders that did the Sunday type racing or Friday so we were a few Swedish guys, and the guy who ran the program was Swedish as well. So, yeah, we spoke we spoke a lot of Swedish still. <laughs> no, that, that eases it a little bit, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely made it easier to come over and a little more comfortable. Because I remember when I first came over, like they teach you English in school in Sweden, but you, you don't have, you don't learn the accent really. And when I first came over, I was always the... Uh, Number one at the at the restaurants, or number two, I would never say like, "Hey, I want a, a double double <laughs> in and out." No, but it was cool. I think there were a little bit of challenges with with the team too. I I think once or twice I came across you guys either at gas stations or you know maybe it was on the side of the road or something like that. Yeah, it was definitely a journey. Those first two seasons, we we traveled a lot in that rig that we had. It had sleeping space in it as well, and and the kind of the garage part in the back of it and uh yeah we kind of were on the road a lot we did fly to quite a few races as well but yeah i mean sometimes we would break down and yeah we'd be stuck at, at some places sometimes but no it was it was cool though and that's what introduced me to america or american racing so i've never left since <laughs> so when you got over here were were you a little surprised on how big the country really is Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't really realize when you look at a map. You see the map, and like, oh, yeah, it's big. But then when you actually start driving the country, you're like, oh, yeah, this is big. <laughs> like we're doing now, traveling across the country takes forever, especially towing a trailer. You can only go like 60. <laughs> well, speaking of breakdowns, we're still here in the, the uh, parking lot at Thunder Valley. You, you had a, a little extra work on your van this week. Yeah, so whenever we pulled in on Friday, um, we started. We actually it started a little earlier. We had some some issues with the uh, diesel exhaust fluid system or the DPF system in general, and uh, it kind of went away. And but we knew something was probably going to come up. And then we were about um, seventy five miles away from the track. We got. Um, notifications saying that di- that the diesel exhaust fluid system needs serviced and in s- whatever miles you're going to be limited to 65 miles per hour whatever kind of put it puts it in limp mode I yeah think. and then we reached that limit and then the next limit was in 75 miles uh, you'll be going the max speed is 55 we were like oh crap <laughs> like we need to get this van in somewhere so we got to the track i unhitched unloaded everything and then amy took the van to a dealership and Something with the reservoir was broken, injector, something, something. So, uh, yeah, we just got the van back. We've been camping here at the track all weekend, and 
I mean, I, I got to say, this is probably the best place to be stuck at. So uh, it's been it's been fun, fun still, and it's probably good that we have a weekend off. But after this, now we're gonna start heading heading more east. Probably stop by Oklahoma, actually. So it's nice you don't have to to hustle to the next race. Yeah, it was actually super nice after the race because I mean we couldn't load up. Look, we stored everything outside the whole weekend, and uh, actually uh, Chas at Trigger he took our, our stored our bikes overnight from Friday to Saturday, but. Yeah, it's been super cool. We've been able to uh, mountain bike and and kind of hang out and take a little more chill rather than getting on the road right right away. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I think you got in a ride yesterday with your child. You, you said as part of your training, you're doing this big long uphill ride. Yeah, Jolie, she's a girl. Okay. Yeah. With her kind of hanging off the front. <laughs> yeah. So I love mountain biking, and my wife Amy, she loves mountain biking, and there's some killer trails here. So, and we have our mountain bike with us. So, we decided that we're gonna try to uh, bring Jolie with us, and we have a, uh, I'm not sure what it's called, but I can kind of, kind of a sling. Yeah, like a, I can strap her to my my chest, and mm-hmm. like a little kangaroo pouch, and gotta be careful obviously but it worked out really good she fell asleep and i got a good good workout in a little suffering going up the hill so uh it was a lot of fun definitely cool to do that being able to uh still go mom bike and and uh uh, even though jolie's only eight months and uh amy got to mountain bike as well so it was cool i think you're no stranger to van life but man it's got to change up a little bit with the the family now yeah, I mean, definitely. We have a camper now that makes things easier. It's Amy's mom's camper that we're borrowing for the for the outdoor or outdoor season, and yeah, it kind of changes things. Obviously, having a child or a kid, but still, it's a lot of similarities to what we've done before. We're still kind of, you know, pursuing that dream and racing and and being out on the road. It, it's just we have more than a van this time, and we're towing a trailer and. It's nice, though, because we have this setup on race day. We have the AC and, and shower and kitchen and all of that. So uh, it's cool. It's uh, We both enjoy it, and uh, it's pretty sweet. That's cool. Are you going to do that all summer long? I'm not fully sure uh, as of right now. I think that's the plan, at least. Um, and then we'll see how things shape up as we're, we we get going as well and get back more on the East Coast. But the plan right now, I believe, is to to continue doing that, and then we'll see what will happen. Traveling around like you're doing, you mentioned going to Oklahoma. How hard is it to find places to ride and train during the week? So far, it hasn't it hasn't been bad because we're we stayed in California, and there's tons of tracks in California to ride. And yeah, now we got stuck here, and it was super cool that Thunder Valley. They let me go out and ride a little bit today, which was fun. And as far as the Oklahoma idea. Because we're good friends with the Canards, and we know uh, more people out there. So Robbie Raynards, he's going to let us come out and ride at his place. So it actually isn't, hasn't been too hard to find places to ride so far. And then after Oklahoma, we'll go straight back to the East Coast, and we'll, have, we'll be riding a club there when we get back. So uh, it hasn't been an issue yet. I don't, I'm not sure if there actually will be, really. I saw a thing, a press release a while back, south of the border, and then club. We- which is it now? Yeah, so I'm at Club MX right now. Um, the team I race for in, in Arena Cross and Supercross, they um, made a deal with Club MX, and, and we moved out there. And it's been good. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I, I like both places a lot, and 
they're different, but they're both very good. So, yeah, they're. I mean, they're <laughs> pretty close to each other too. They're only like sixty miles, but gotcha. Yeah. After MX Heaven, what was next for you? So, I did that eleven, twelve, and then when I came back in thirteen, me and Robert Lind, we rented a house in California from a Swedish guy. Actually, he owned it, and we kind of did our own little program, or we kind of did our own little thing. Uh, it's whenever Gus was still around, so Gus took our bikes and the Gus bus. Gus bus, yeah. We still had our separate sponsors and all of that, me and Robert, but we kind of. To make it cheaper, it was... Kind of yeah. pool resources? Yeah. I, actually, after 2012, my parents pretty much said that if you want to continue racing, you got to figure it out on your own, And which, it's fair. You know, I was uh, I was uh, an adult at that, or still yeah. an adult, but I turned over 18. I was 19, I think, so I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do now? Okay, but, little, little bird, you need yeah, to fly like, now. Yeah, yeah it's, if you want to race, you got to do it on your own, and was able to get sponsors from Sweden financially and and me and Robert kind of did things together which made brought the cost down as well and I just met Amy too my wife now and she um she was a photographer in the industry and she knew some people as well and she helped me you know kind of find sponsors and and kind of get the ball rolling as well cuz in 11 and 12 me being really shy I didn't really talk to people <laughs> I yeah, just, being being a privateer and having to do it on your own you've got to kind of hustle and chase yeah, sponsors and everything else yeah it's definitely been a learning experience and i gotta say i've learned a lot from being a privateer and also being a film writer for honda was a big learning experience as well but yeah it teaches you how to go out and and talk to people and you can't really be too too shy i guess you, you know yeah. yeah i mean you you have to ask for help that's that's how it goes and yeah it's been cool so was was the honda thing kind of after the deal with uh, gus so yeah uh, in 13 i did uh, i rode suzuki and then uh, coming into 14 i switched to ktm and then i did that for about six months because i did some sucrose rounds um that year as well and then um I was riding pretty well in outdoors in, in 14, and whenever Honda needed a filling guy, I think Barsha was the one who was injured at that, that time, and Lars uh, Lindstrom, he told me, like, hey, you should you should call Dan. I'm like, after High Point, it was actually after High Point, uh, and I had, had decent results. I think I'd been, like, 12 or something, and um, I'm like, oh, shoot. I don't know. This is scary. <laughs> feel like you feel like you're making a huge step. Yeah, it's like, man, I'm going to call like a team manager. Like this is crazy. I don't know if I dare doing that, but uh I was like, "All right." And um I called. I remember we were I think I had I don't know where we had gone to eat, but we had just finished eating and uh, I'm like, "All right, I'm going to call Dan." So, I think it was on might have been on straight after a race. Actually, I don't remember the date, but I called Dan, and I was like, hey, um, so-and-so, I heard you guys might need a ride <laughs> or a filling rider and um, whatnot, and he was, um, I can't remember the first response, but uh, anyways, he, they flew me out to California to do a two-day test, and I went out there, and that's uh, when I met Trey for the first time, and I'm like, this is so cool. I remember we are at Cahia Creek the first time, and they had the test rig there, and all the people were there and and trey was riding and i was like 
this is this is cool, yeah. uh, but still scary at the same time because I didn't know anyone. Um, I did a two day test and I rode their bike and and then uh, after that, uh, a couple of days, um, they told me that they wanted to have me as a filling guy and in Tennessee they brought a contract for me to do the remainder of the rounds starting at, at Redbud. They actually asked me if I wanted to because uh, I wouldn't be able to ride their bike anything really before Redbud. But I was like, heck yeah, I want to ride your bike anyways. I don't care if I don't get any practice on it. So I started at Red Bud and did the, the six rounds. And Hana's been super cool ever since. And it's been it's been great. That had to be a little mind-blowing, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went from... I had my... I bought my yellow van, <laughs> the yellow van, for 3800 bucks from uh, Christian Talker. And uh, we were just riding out of that thing. I had borrowed some money to buy two bikes, and uh, I had one set of suspension, so I swapped that back and forth. So we were, it was really like super low budget. Oh, yeah. It was like, <laughs> well, we're used to plastics the whole season type of thing, and the uh, same brake pads pretty much. But uh, so I went from that to having everything, the bike just being there, and the rig, and, and, uh, I wasn't allowed to do anything. I would come there on Fridays and be like, hey, like, can I do anything? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, you can't do anything. I was like, relax, uh, get ready. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it definitely changed a lot of things. And I remember one funny thing was, I don't know who had told them or how, where they got the info from, but they thought that I only drank Fiji water. I mean, that's pretty expensive water. Uh-huh. So they had just, they had got Fiji water for me. So I got there and they're like, hey, uh, we got your Fiji water over here. I'm like, Fiji water? I'm, you can get whatever you want. I don't care. I'll drink tap water. <laughs> they were like, what? We we thought you only drank Fiji water. I'm like, uh, no. It so- <laughs> so, sounds like Lars was hooking you up. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely changed a lot of things. And, and a lot more people got their eyes open for me. And ever since then, it's been easier it's never easy to do this uh racing but it's been easier as far as getting to know people and and kind of getting the ball rolling as far as being a privateer and and then getting with getting with teams and good teams as well so it's been it's been a journey that's for sure what was the biggest thing you learned over there about equipment or any or anything else yeah i mean being on being a factory on a bike day we tested a lot so I learned a lot from for being a test or before that I never really tested a whole lot so then becoming or being with Honda we started testing a lot of things and testing things that I did not think would make a difference so uh, it definitely made me a pickier rider but in a good way I would I would say because I actually learned that small things can make a, a massive difference and uh, what, what were some of the, th- the little things that made um, a difference for you you know like just torque specs i think that's something that uh a lot of people especially privateers might not realize that you know torquing torquing things makes a massive difference you know uh that's like, like the fr- motor mounts yeah and motor mounts swing and arm yeah pivots. and yeah exactly and triple clamps and and a lot of things like that makes makes a huge difference so there's just a bunch of things we tried but i mean that would be one of them that's something i do now as soon as i get a new bike if it's brand new from you know a show just a dealership it's loose and everything and then retorque them to the spec or or if there's something i want to do different want it to do differently i, I might torque it to different torque spec but make it feel different yeah yeah mm-hmm. man how do you 
make it work as a privateer now. I, I know, you, as an example, Phoenix Racing. I think they've they're still trying to take care of all the guys. It was kind of there, then it's sort of plans didn't come through like it was supposed to happen this year. Yeah. How do you make it work as a privateer? Yeah, so being with Phoenix Honda Racing, um, it was awesome. I got to learn a lot of things, you know, going to Arena Cross, a different type of racing, and, and uh, they definitely have provided a lot of uh, opportunities for me to have this as a job. We'll continue to have this as a job, and it just didn't fully work out as far as the outdoor thing. Um, so that's why we did it on our own as far as these first three rounds at least. And But a lot of sponsors, you know, came aboard and a lot of the sponsors that was with Phoenix Racing or is with Phoenix Racing is some or people I've had previous relationship with with as well. So everyone was still on board to, to continue help me go outdoors. And then the sustainable oil field, oil field services, he came along as far as some financial support. And then uh, Butchie's Barbecue and a uh, dedicated ride company and it was some outside sponsors that could could come along and and help me financially to get to rounds and the peer brothers and to make it work but uh it's come come along really good and all the sponsors has been super great and it's been fun so far and then we'll see what will happen on the east coast now but probably just continue doing our thing yeah, I don't think Phoenix is completely done yet. So No, um, I mean, they're still racing. They're definitely, uh, it's a big program with them having the GNCC team and, and us doing Arena Cross, Supercross, and the quad team. So it's it's a lot of balls being juggled around, definitely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Man, if people want to help you out, how do they get in touch with you? Probably the easiest way would be shoot me an email. Or I'm so-so with Instagram. Facebook I'm horrible with. So if... <laughs> I apologize if someone sent me a Facebook message because I'm never on Facebook. But Instagram, probably, I'm, every so often, I'm, I can be slow, but normally, eventually, I'll find the message. But uh, email is normally the best way. And it's uh, Norin, so my last name, mxracing at gmail.com. Okay. Um, yeah, so if anyone has any questions about anything, really, you can shoot me an email about that, too. And I'll try to help you answer any questions if people need help figuring out how to do this too. So uh, it's always fun when more people people do it. Work together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's the sport is something I've come to learn too. Is the sport is big but small. For sure. <laughs> so yep. we, it's cool whenever people try to help out each other, and it's that's kind of what we need to do. You just came off kind of a bout of injuries too you had to sit out for quite a while what did you have going on yeah so I did both my knees at the same time I actually had the surgery the same day so I did ACL and PCL and then I tore my scaphoid lunate ligament in my wrist so that was the major thing for 2018 actually so coming into 18 December like 15th I crashed and broke my collarbone so they played it at and then a few weeks later, I started riding again, and then I had a crash. I raced A2, actually. I'd only been on the bike, like, three times, and then still went to A2 because I wanted to race. <laughs> I just wanted to be back on the bike, and um, that was a triple crown, I think. Um, so I didn't make that one, unfortunately. And then coming into Phoenix, I crashed on a practice day, tore my, my ligament, tearing my, my hand, and I couldn't ride at all after that. It was like no go so 
a few weeks later with his surgery on the wrist and actually I did the knees first and then two weeks later I did the wrist so that was you know six months pretty much you must have looked like you got run over by a truck at that point yeah (laughs) it was it was kind of uh the reason why I did both knees knees at the same time was because it would save me you know three weeks in the fall to get back on the bike and uh, <laughs> luckily or fortunately, we have a lot of great family or friends that we we call family in California that helped me out. And then um, I was back. Actually, I was back walking pretty quickly after. Uh, my doctor recommended me to be as active as I could. But, you know, six months is really what you need to take off. And that's right. what I, I said to myself. I'm going to take six months off to make sure this heals up really good and everything's good. So and then in about mid-October I started getting back on the bike I actually borrowed uh, Ryan Schaefer's 252 stroke for for a little bit in the fall uh, he let me borrow that to ride I actually did some races on it too just for the fun of it and uh, I started riding in about beginning of October uh, and then come November I had another crash and uh compression fracture my t7 and t8 cracked my sternum and broke my rib so then i was out again till pretty much january and then we went straight in, into arena cross racing so it i pretty much was out for you know 11 months out of in 2018 mm-hmm. so uh it was you know a rough year as far as that went but it's very you know, I was fortunate and, and blessed and to have a baby girl being born in October. And uh, it kind of made me appreciate racing more as well. And, and I got to be at South of the Border being a trainer and uh, be around the kids more there and uh, learn to do that. And it was, you know, being injured is, is not a good thing, but I'm actually, God really worked it out to be good for me. I in a sense, enjoyed being off the bike. The cracked sternum and compression back was like, okay, this is yeah, not fun. Not so good. Yeah. But during the summer and everything, it was it was, you know, rough not being on the bike and seeing seeing everyone else racing. But it was still, it was still kind of good. So, racing, I especially at the pro level, to me, almost looks like such a treadmill that to be able to step off for a minute and see what's going what else is going on around you plus you know like you said timing was kind of good with um your daughter being born it it seems like it worked out all right for you yeah i mean definitely i've always really done racing i I mean i did go home to sweden to work a normal job during the winters but that was in 11 12 and 13 so it's been a while and um and then we've been we've been grinding and, and racing and training and um i haven't really had many injuries that set me off for a long time before this so whenever I had that yeah it was really an eye-opener and, and then being a riding coach too helped me realize things that I need to work on so I was teaching kids like hey you should do this and I'm like <laughs> wait a minute like all right I need to work on that too so uh, I actually took a note I had a notebook that I would write down things in that I needed to work on too once I would be back on the bike so it gave me a new appreciation for for racing and also the the technique of ra- the 
technical part of racing like focusing on my skills as well so um it was everything worked out pretty good considering it was technically a bad thing being hurt but um yeah it kind of reignited me again last weekend i know first moto you went down fairly early you know it was in a blind spot you you kind of have to wait for everybody to go through but then you motored your way back up to 15th in there yeah first moto i I crashed just before that little single i I crossed right where i kind of got stood up in a rut and got a little whiskey over that little hump before the finish line on the first lap and uh yeah being on a blind spot i couldn't really run to my bike right away because i think i was probably around I don't know, 14th, 15th when I went down. So I had, you know, 25 guys behind me that was going to come through. So I kind of had to jump around a little bit, trying to get hit. I don't think anyone ran over my bike, so I was pretty pumped on that. And no one ran over me, so I was like, cool. Really pumped on that. Yeah, I'm like, all right, but here we go. It's time to try to salvage some points here. And, yeah, I think I went from 34th to 15th. I was bummed coming back into the pits because, you know, to me, it was like I shouldn't have crashed to begin with, but my riding was really good, so there was a lot of positives to take from it, and I got back up to 15th, which was really good as well. So, like, overall, the moto was a good moto, just not the crash. <laughs> How do you feel like you're riding now? Are you as good as you've ever been? I would say, I was actually, ta- me and Amy were talking the other day, or actually, I think it was yesterday, and I would say I'm, I'm probably pretty I might be the fastest I've been, I think. Uh, the class is really stacked right now. Everyone's riding really fast. And, um, like, looking at lap times from the second moto this weekend, I-, I was really competitive with my lap times with the guys in front of me. So I would say I'm as good, if not faster, than I've been in the past. So Okay. Supercross or motocross? You know, supercross is, is newer to me. I... I really enjoy riding supercross and i think putting it on a list i prefer supercross a little bit more but outdoors is always going to be you know kind of rooted in the heart uh that's what i've always done and that's where i've had my best results so you know both are great it's hard to say like oh i love this way more than the other they have their own challenges and their own funness to them but (laughs) it's hard to say i mean supercross like I said, is is more of a newer thing to me, where outdoors is something I've done my the whole life. The technical side, yeah, kind of trying to learn to be better at that. It's more of a challenge. I mean, outdoors is obviously a challenge, and I'm not winning, so there's definitely <laughs> more things I can work on. But uh, kind of, yeah, the technical part of racing and it's the finesse of it with Supercross is really uh, uh, is really exciting to, to to practice and learn and be better at. How long do you see yourself doing this? I'm not sure. Um, and and I, I guess it should be a two-parter. How long do you want to do this, and what are your goals now? Yeah, I mean, as long as, until God gives me a new plan on where to go, uh, I keep on racing. I love racing, uh, and right now it's it's still a job for me. It, it provides um, financial security as far as, or financial support for me to go racing and take care of my family, and so... I want to keep on doing it as long as I can. Uh, I'm going to have plenty of time to work a normal job, I would say, once I'm done with it. And I only have so many years into racing. Uh, but, I mean, looking at guys like Brayton and, and Reed, I mean, they're they're still going and they're 
eight years older than me. I'm not sure if I'll go eight more years, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll take it year by year and day by day, and I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> see how long it go. I mean, I want to keep on racing right now, and and I think the the desire and the goal will will never change. I I still want to win. It'd be awesome. It would be awesome to get a podium in in my career, uh, whether that's outdoors or supercross. I've been close in outdoors. So we'll keep chasing that, and I don't know. We'll see how long it goes. When you say regular job, are you swinging a hammer, or is it uh, coaching riders? What do you, What are you thinking in the future? Um, I'm not sure. You know, um, we'll kind of see what doors will open up once I'm done with racing. I don't see myself being a coach. Um, I enjoyed being a coach for the time being, but I'm not going to rule it out. But I don't think I would be that. I wouldn't mind being in the industry but i don't mind being outside the industry as well being whatever that may be i enjoyed like being back home in sweden working during the winters i did construction working and i really enjoyed that though that was only for a season it was only so long so i might get bored in that too but yeah it's kind of wide open right now as far as once i'm done with my racing uh, i'm not really sure what direction i'll go but it'll all all open up and uh, be clear to me <laughs> Well, I appreciate the time, and we'll keep our eyes on you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Before we head out, we have to thank our sponsors. The Inside Line is presented by Thor. Remember, for over 50 years, Thor MX has been at the forefront of motocross racewear innovation with products that are purpose-built to help riders perform at the highest level in one of the most demanding sports in the world. The 2019 collection, featuring the revolutionary Prime Pro racewear, is available now. Head to ThorMX.com to learn more. We also have to thank Chaparral Motorsports. For more than 30 years, Chaparral Motorsports has been sharing its love of dirt bikes with like-minded individuals by offering a massive selection of the latest riding gear, new models, parts and accessories, and great pricing on tires. Visit chapmoto.com. Also, Maxxis Tires is proud to introduce the all-new Maxxcross MXST, a premier motocross tire tested and developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. Available now at your local dealer. Ready for some more bench tracing? Look for the next Inside Line soon. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the show via your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also go back and listen to previous shows. If you're feeling really generous, leaving us a rating and review always helps. Thanks.